What may I get for you this evening? I think I'll... I'll order for us. We will split the absolute perfection, um, but instead of anxiety, could I get a flawless side of raised expectations, please? Of course. And how would you like your circumstances? Micromanaged? Micromanaged. Oh, and please tell the chef that no matter how Willie prepares it, I'll still be dissatisfied. Will do. Oh, and can we get some 38% shinier silverware? Yes, sir. Well, close to, but not quite perfect evening. I hope you don't know somebody like that, but maybe you do. Welcome today to Seneca Community Church. Cindy and I are visiting family in New England. Uh, we appreciate your continued prayers for my mom as she's still dealing with complications for a hip replacement. Uh, this marks her fourth week in rehab with a few stays at the hospital. So it will be good to be with my mom and dad and also be good to see Cindy's mom and the rest of the family. Thanks so much for your gift of time away. Today we're jumping into a series from Life Church with Craig Crischel called I Choose. I so appreciate Life Church sharing resources like this. This is a series about the choices you and I make. Think about it. Essentially, we are the choices of the decisions that we make. Whatever those choices may be in the past determines really who we are today. Remember, today's message is not just about filling a time on a Sunday when I'm away. It has thought, prayer, and anticipation behind it. The original message I had planned to share just didn't seem to be right for where we're at, so I, I changed it. There was a lot of wrestling with that when it comes to choosing a message in my absence. So please just don't think we're just filling in a time. This is a canned message or something like that. We want to bring the best we can to you. Someone who wouldn't necessarily be able to be here in person. I trust you'll find uh, watching a message on a screen not an obstacle, but in just a few moments you'll settle in and engage with a speaker that has a life-changing message for all of us. So let's uh, jump in and see what Craig Crescell has to say. What I want to do is I want to talk about a big choice that I believe every single one of us will need to make in different areas of our life. We are going to choose surrender over control. I choose surrender over control. All of our churches, let's be honest, I need some participation. How many of you would say that in some area of your life, you love to be in control? Raise your hands, raise them up high, raise them up high, leave them up if you will, leave them up. If you find yourself wanting to raise the hand of the person sitting next to you, you better take good notes because you've been driving the rest of us crazy. You're a control freak and Jesus can set you free, okay? All of us battle with some area of wanting to control at work. Some of you, you're like, you know, do it my way and my time. If you don't do it right, I'll do it myself. Who knows what I'm talking about, okay? Some of you work for that person, some of you, that, you are that person. Uh, in the home, some of you are like control freaks. Everything has a place. It has to be done my way. Don't touch that, leave that there. When I married Amy, she freaked me out. She was psycho into the way she vacuumed. The vacuum, the lines had to be just, just perfect. The lines, I'm like, that's psycho. If you're like that, you're psycho. Vacuum the lines, you're psycho. Now, when it comes to mowing, 
The lines have to be perfect. Who's with me, right? You know what I'm talking about? Now that matters. I mean, that really, vacuum, no, not so much mowing. Yeah, they have to be just right. You know, we've all got our areas. It could be certain people. You know, you want your kids to do just what you want. If you don't do that, I'm going to ground you until you're 30. It could be your spouse. You know, if you don't do this, I'm going to withdraw something special from you, or I'm going to threaten you, or whatever it is. We all have our areas we like to control. Amy, my wife, she's my dream girl. But in the kitchen, she's scary, I'm telling you. She's, she's got more rules, it'll make you crazy. The Pharisees, they have 613 laws. Amy has more in the kitchen, I'm telling you. She's got more, I mean, she like, she, it's like, it really, I don't care about the kitchen at all. The only thing, the only thing I wanna control is everything else. That's it, I mean, everything else. I, I am like massive control freak. I wanna control the schedules. I wanna control the money. I wanna control how everybody acts. I wanna control, uh, you know, the, I, I've been, sitting, been known to sit in the passenger seat of a car, and if someone freaks me out when they're driving, I've actually reached over and helped them drive. I've done that twice, pray for me. I know, it's a mess, it's horrible. I, no one else can do the remote control because everyone knows it's not about what's on at the moment. It's all about what else might be on, okay? It's just it's a thing. And, and, and so what I wanna do today is address this big issue because it's kind of fun to make fun of, but the reality is whenever we're trying to control something that's not ours to control, what it is is a reflection of a really big spiritual problem. Because what we're trying to do in this one area of our life, we are trying to be like God. I want to control because I know what's best, and we're trying to be like God. So what I want to do is I want to look at uh, one of the most often quoted, most popular verses in the Bible, and tell you right now, it's also one of the most difficult ones to live. And even if you've heard this a hundred times, I want you to hear it today as if you're hearing it for the very first time. And I want you to just ask, God, would you help me to truly live out these powerful truths? Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six teaches us this, that we are to trust in the Lord, to surrender to God, to, to be completely in his hands, to trust in the Lord with how much of our heart? Say it with me, that we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. How much of your heart are you trusting to God? We're to trust him with all of our heart. And then we're told, this is where it gets really difficult to me, is lean not on your own understanding, because I don't know about you, but I want to figure it out. I want to be in control. I know what should happen. I've got this thing. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understandings, but in how many of your ways? Scripture says in all of your ways, what are we to do? We are to submit to him. Uh, the Hebrew word that's translated as submit uh, is it's also translated as acknowledge. This word actually means to know. It's the same word that's used of Adam knowing Eve. It means an intimate knowing. We're to trust in the Lord with every bit of our heart. In other words, I'm not anxious about anything. I'm trusting in God. We are to submit to him everything, acknowledge him, to know him in all of our ways. We know him. We acknowledge him. We submit to him. And when we do that, we don't make our path straight, but who does? He does. He will make our paths straight. What do we do? Trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Lean not on our own understanding, but in every single way, we acknowledge him. We submit to him. We know him, and he will make our paths straight. Here's the problem. Many of you will see this in your own life. I do in mine. The more that we try to control, the more that we are afraid of losing control. And the more we're afraid of losing control, 
the more we try to control. And the more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. And before long, we enter into this cycle of fear, and essentially, we're edging God out, saying, God, I want to control this. And what I want to do is show you an example from the Old Testament of control gone bad, really, really bad. The problem is when we try to take control and we're not surrendered to God, we rarely ever get it right. And I want to show you a story about Abram and Sarai. Uh, Their names were later changed to Abraham and Sarah. If there's anybody who battled with control issues for their whole life, it was Abraham and Sarah. One time when Abraham was really afraid uh, for their safety, he lied, he took control, and instead of saying, this is my wife, he said, this is my sister, he tried to control the situation. The biggest example, though, was when they were, they were childless and really wanting more than anything else a child, and God promised Abraham the most amazing promise, you will be the father of many nations. Whoa! Oh, this is incredible. Then what happened? Nothing for quite some time. You told me we're going to be parents and, you know, nothing's happened. And another month goes by, another month goes by, nothing, 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 nothing. And so Sarai did what many of us do. When God's timing wasn't her own, she decided to take control and try to bring about the desired outcome her own way. And this is a perfect example of control gone bad. Genesis 16 verse 1 says this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Everybody say Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Now, what does she do? She's taking control and she says, perhaps who? She says, perhaps I can build a family through her. Go sleep with her. God's not doing what he said he'd do. So I'll take control. Go sleep with Hagar. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to um, her husband to be his wife. And what did he do? He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. God made a promise. God's timing was not consistent with their timing, so they took control, and control went bad. If you don't know what happened next, let me tell you, and some of you know part of the story, but you may not know all the story. It's really mind-blowing how this one controlling situation ended up impacting people for centuries to come. Hagar ended up getting pregnant, and Hagar gave birth to a son they called Ishmael. Then later, Sarah conceived and gave birth to Isaac. If you look at the lineage of Ishmael and Isaac, it's stunning. Out of Ishmael, you actually have the Palestinians. Out of Ishmael, you actually have Muhammad. Out of Isaac, you have the Jewish nation, and you also have Christ. Here we are, centuries later, and you still have the tension between the Palestinians and the Jews, and you have the tension between, uh, do we follow Muhammad or do we follow Christ? Why? Control went bad. I want to take control. It's not happening in my timing, in my way, so therefore I will do what it takes to bring it about. There is a massive, massive, massive spiritual lesson that I hope you will all write down. If you don't remember anything else, please remember this. Never, ever forget, don't ever sleep with a woman named Hagar. (laughs) Write it down. 
put it in your nose. So this is really big. You got to hear me on this. It, it'll go bad, okay? It'll go bad. Now, chances are you'll hopefully never be tempted with that, 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 that option, but you will be tempted with something. And I don't know who it is or what, what, what you're going to be tempted with, but there's someone here who will be tempted to take control when something doesn't go your way. There's a single Christian girl and you want a single Christian guy, but since you can't find a single Christian guy, you'll settle for a guy, right? Oh, I know I'm not supposed to be unequally yoked, you know, but I mean, but he is, so got a cute little smile, <laughs> right? He's so cute, you know, and I can change him over time, and so, I mean, I know he's not, you know, you know, you know, not, you know but, but you know, but I can change him. Or maybe it's a financial issue. You know, you're, you're kind of struggling, and so, you, you know, you've been around the church for a while, and you actually know you're supposed to put God first, seek him first. You're supposed to return a tithe unto the Lord as an act of a worship. It's, it's, it's freeing. God blesses you, but oh, no, 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 no. That didn't make sense to me right now. I'm going to take control. I'm going to do it my way. I mean, after all, look how good I am. I screwed up my life on my own. I can screw up more if I do it my way. I am going to take control. It could be people at work, you know, like, hey, I'm trying to delegate this to you, but you're not doing it right, so just move out of the way, move out of the way. Some of you, you're like, you're, well, no, no, nobody here. They're at all at other churches today. They're helicopter parents. You know what a helicopter parent is? They're all hovering, hovering, helicopter parent. Oh, little Johnny, you got a science paper? Well, let me do it for you, because you got to make an A. I'll help you get it done. Oh, did someone pick on you? Well, let, let me find that kid's mama. That mama's going to get a bite of me, okay? I'm, I'm someone pick on you. Oh, you're about to go check the mail. Put on your helmet. Put on your helmet. <laughs> Wear your knee pads. Be careful, <laughs> you know, right? None of you are like that. Overprotective parents, got to control, got to control, got to control. I actually read in the, uh, in, in the Huffington Post an article, this is shocking to me, that of recent college graduates, 8% actually bring one of their parents with them to job interviews. 8%. 8%, okay? 8%. So just a little tip, okay? A little tip, okay? If you're interviewing at Life Church, leave your mom in the car, okay? <laughs> I know she drove you, and that's cool and everything. <laughs> Leave her in the car. <laughs> Here's what I want you to do at all of our churches. I want you to do this for a moment. I want you to think about and, and write down, name the area you're trying to control. What it is. What, what is it? A person, a thing, a circumstance. What I want you to do is think about it for a moment. Think about it, give it a name, write it down. What are you trying to control? Trying to control your kids? Trying to control your grown kids? Trying to control your grown kids' kids? Because they are not raising your grandbabies right. Okay. Trying to control your finances? Trying to control your job future? Trying to control your spouse? Don't chew your gum like that. I told you not to chew your gum. You're trying to control uh, your image. What is it that you're trying to control? Now, if you don't want to write it down, just prove my point. Just sit back and go, I ain't doing that stupid illustration. I'm not doing what he says. You just stay in control. I'm talking to you. I'm not backing down, okay? And what are we going to do? What we're going to do is we're going to ask ourselves, is this something that really is mine to control, or is this something that I am supposed to trust to the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him, and he will make my path straight? I'm going to choose surrender over control. In so many different areas of my life that I'm wrongly trying to control, 
I'm going to choose surrender over control. And what I want to do is I want to give you three big questions to help you answer when is the right time to choose surrender over control. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Are you ready? ready. Let's try it again. Are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one is this. You're going to ask yourself, is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? In other words, there are many things that many people are really upset about, but it's not completely worth your concern. I'll give you an example from a leadership perspective. Uh, as a leader and as a pastor, I oversee 25 different churches uh, in seven different states. And what I want to do right now is just kind of give you perspective as a leader, and then this will translate into every other area of your life. Just work with me for a minute. Um, when you are in a physical service today, church online, I know there are, you're one of 75 services. If you're in a physical service right now, you're in one of 164 different services. So there are 163 different church services, just like the one that you're in in one of 25 locations. I often shout out a name, but I'm going to go ahead and read off the 25 because it'll help you just kind of hear it it's not just a number. These are 25 physical locations, okay? Whenever you hear your location, you might want to cheer just because it's fun to be proud of where we are. Albany, New York, Broadway in Britain, Oklahoma, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Edmond, Oklahoma, Fort Worth, Texas, Hendersonville, Tennessee, Jinx, Oklahoma, Keller, Texas, Midwest City, Oklahoma, Moore, Oklahoma, Mustang, Oklahoma, Northwest Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. <laughs> Overland Park, Kansas, Owasso, Oklahoma, Rio Rancho, New Mexico, Shawnee, Oklahoma, South Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, South Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, South Tulsa, Oklahoma, Stillwater, Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Wichita, Kansas, Wellington, Florida, Yukon, Oklahoma, 25 different locations, 164 different services. As, as a leader, let me ask you this question. Do you think that there are ever things at these 25 locations that I would like to change as a leader? What do you think? Oh, yeah, okay. Do you think there might be a lot of things? Answer yes, okay. When I walk into a place, I might look around and, you know, I might go, I wish that was different. I'd like for that to be different. I'd like to change that. I'd like to change that. I'd like to change that, okay. What do I need to do as a leader? I need to be really wise, right? I need to pick my battles carefully because if I come in like this is bad and this is bad and this is bad and this is bad, I'm going to demoralize the team and I'm not going to look at all the great things that are working and oftentimes you need to fix a few things, but you really need to work on what's working and put gasoline on the fire that's working and, and try to get that to burn even brighter, okay? So I need to be really, really wise. That means as a leader, I have to have a tolerance for some things that are a little bit different than the way I would have them. As a leader, and you can write this down, it's really important, all leaders need to know this, when you're building a growing organization, you've got a choice. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You have to empower people. You have to let some, some things, some minor things, be a little bit different than what you would have them to be. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. In a relationship, you can have control or you can have intimacy, but you can't have both. Okay? You can have control or you can have intimacy, but you cannot have both. The problem is sometimes we're getting so wigged out about things that aren't that really big of a deal, and we're hurting our relationships because it's not that big of a deal. I have to ask myself, is this worth my concern? Is it that big of a deal? So if you'll let me meddle for just a minute, I'm going to get up in front of your business, and even if you tell me no, I'm going to do it anyway because we're having fun today, okay? For example, is it worth my concern? Is it really worth getting upset, freaked out, wigged out, making everybody miserable because somebody didn't fold the towels just right, okay? They're supposed to be folded like this, and yet they folded them like this, okay? Is it really worth? Okay. I know some of you think it is, Five years from now, five years from now, 
Is it really going to matter what the towels were folded like? Okay. Another question. Is it really going to matter? Does it matter that much? If for one day your child walks out of the house not matching perfectly and their hair doesn't look right. Somebody said yes over here. I heard it. 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 Okay. Woo! Okay. Five years from now, I mean, do you really think your child will not get into the right college one day, be living on the streets? Why? Because I told you, I told you not to wear that shirt out in public. Is it really worth my concern? Is it really that big of a deal? Okay. Is it really that big of a deal? If, if there's someone leaves something in, the, in, in your car, some trash in the car, there's Cheerios in my car, I just can't let this go. Is it really that big of a deal? Is it really bad, okay? Some of you need to chill out. You're driving everybody crazy. You're driving everybody crazy, okay? Don't elbow the person sitting next to you. Don't do that. Just look forward, let me do my work, okay? You let me do my work, you just sit there. Pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <I'm> talking. <laughs> Is it worth my concern, okay? Is it worth my concern? Uh, personal example. Uh, when you walk into my house, you come in the front doors, uh, the living room's right in front of us, and then there's these three French doors that are just, they're all they're windows that overlook this back area that's wooded, and it's just a really pretty view. Problem is, every single day when I come in, what do you think the first thing I see? Fingerprints all over my beautiful view. Fingerprints everywhere. I'm kind of like, Amy, can't we do something about this? We can clean it every day. I mean, listen, I'll do, you know, have the kids do it, cut their hands off. There's got to be a solution <laughs> to the fingerprints on my window. I love this view, okay? It, there's still fingerprints, and it's starting to dawn on me. My oldest two of six kids are now married and out of the house. I've only got four at home. My youngest is, is almost 12, and it dawned on me. It's not going to be very long before I'm going to come home, and guess what I'm going to miss? I would give anything to have fingerprints on those doors because my kids are growing out of the house. Okay? It's interesting. The thing that drives me crazy is actually the thing I'm going to miss one day. Is it worth my concern? Is it really worth getting upset over this? Ask yourself that because some of you, you're getting upset over things that really don't matter that much. You're hurting your relationships. You're hurting your intimacy. You're driving your kids crazy. You're, is it worth my concern? The second question we're going to ask is this. We're going to ask, is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? Is it something I should do something about? Because honestly, sometimes the answer is yes, right? How many of you know God won't do everything for you? God wants you to do some things yourself? There, there's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility, right? Right? Somebody say amen, because this is right. It, it doesn't mean you relinquish responsibility. For example, if you're messed up financially, you just don't sit around going, okay, God's going to come through for me. God's going to go, I gave you two hands, two feet. You go work. Okay? Don't spend so much. Spend less than, than you're making. Get a second job. Do something about it. If your marriage is in trouble, what can you do? You can, you can adjust your heart. You can examine yourself. You can suggest maybe we should try counseling. We, we should be in a life. We need spiritual connection with other believers. If your child is making bad decisions, you want to be available to your child. You want to build a bridge. You want to make sure the lines of communication are open. You want to do what it takes. You do what you can do in those situations. If you're a single guy and you want to get married, what do you do, man? Dude, quit playing Pokemon Go. Put it down. Move out of your mom's basement. Get a job. Brush your teeth. Put on deodorant. There's some, th you know, there's some things you should do. And you ask yourself, quite honestly, is it mine to control? If it is, then you do something about it. If it's not, we're going to ask ourselves the third question. What are our big questions? First one is this. 
Is it worth my concern? Second question, is it mine to control? Or third question, is it for God alone? Is it for God alone? Is this one of those areas that I am trying desperately to control, but it's not mine to control? This one is for me to surrender to God alone. In fact, I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 4. Uh, these are the words of the Apostle Paul when he was chained to a Roman guard in, in house arrest. He's in prison, and he writes these amazingly powerful words. And here's what he said. And again, hear this. If you've heard it before, hear it like God is saying it directly to you, to your situation. Paul says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. How many of you were anxious about something last week? Be honest, I was. Do not be anxious about that thing, Paul says. Do not be anxious about anything. But in how many situations, he said, but in every situation, no matter what you're going through, no matter what she did, no matter what you can't change, in every situation, by what? Somebody say it aloud. By, by prayer and petition. By what? Say it with me. By prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, what do you do? You present your request to God. In every situation, what do you do? By prayer and petition, you present your request to God. Don't you ever, ever insult God by saying, well, all we can do now is pray. All we can do now is pray. All we can do now is pray. I can just imagine God up in heaven going, well, you're screwed now. <laughs> all you got is me, man. <laughs> you know, you're down to me, man. You know, oh, now it's really bad. No, 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 no. No, prayer is never a last resort. Prayer is always a first line of offense. What can we do? We can pray. We can pray. <laughs> Scripture says we can go boldly before the throne of grace. We have access to God. He hears our prayers. He's a God that says with me, all things are possible. What can you do? You can pray. It's our first line of offense. We go before God with what, Paul said? With thanksgiving. Why? Because we know he hears us. Because we know he cares. Because we know he's working in all things to bring about good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. On this one particular thing, I take her to God. I take him to God. I take this to God. I present this to God. And then what happens when we go to God like that? He says this in verse 7. And then the what? He says the peace of God, a supernatural peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What do we do? When there's something that we can't control, we say, God, this one's actually yours. I present this to you. I trust it to you. I'm trusting in you with all my heart. I am not leaning on my own understanding, but in this particular situation, in all my situations, I'm acknowledging you, I'm submitting to you, I am knowing you. I'm praying that you would do something about this. And what does God do? God gives you a supernatural peace that goes beyond your ability to understand. Like, how are you doing so good, man? Dude, I don't even know, man. I mean, like, I'm looking at my circumstances, I should be bad, but I'm not. Why? I'm giving it to God. Guard your heart and your mind and your soul in Christ Jesus. So you look at what you're dealing with and you ask yourself, is this for God alone, okay? You're married and your, your spouse is making bad decisions, okay? You ask yourself, can I change my spouse? Some of you think you can, let me help you out. No, you can't. You can make your spouse miserable, you can make them crazy, you can drive them away, you can conform their behavior for a little while until they resent you and kick back. You cannot change your spouse, okay? Can God change your spouse? Yes. So what is this? this my spouse is for God alone. I trust you, God. Okay? Can you physically heal your body? 
or the body of someone you love. They've got cancer, can you go like poof and they're gone to cancer? You can't do that. What can you do? You can get chemo, you can get great doctors, you can eat right, you can, you can do all that. But can you heal? No. Can God heal? Yes, he can. So, God, I trust you. Can you control your kid's future? No, you can't. You can threaten them. You can drive them away from you. You can create a wall where there's no trust. You can be all... <laughs> can you control their future? No, you can't. Okay. Can God be actively involved in their future, leading them in the right, wise ways? Yes. So what do you do? You do what you can do. You invest in your children, but ultimately you say, God, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So whenever you're doing what we all do, you say, hey, is this worth my concern? A lot of times it's not, let it fly. Is it mine to control? If it is, you do something about it. If not, is this for God alone? Give you a real personal example that just happened in our family. Um, Amy, my wife, her mom's cousin, um, was about as anti-Christ, anti-Christian, anti-God, um, spiritual things church of anybody that I've ever met. Um, in fact, in 25 years of doing ministry, there are a lot of people that don't like us, and we just understand that's not complaining, that's part of it. You know, you, whatever you do something, people are gonna hate you. This girl hated our family more than anybody I've ever known, said the worst, harshest, vile, I wouldn't even imply the language that she used. It was on another level of anything that I've ever experienced. It was, it was pure hatred through and through. And Amy amazingly had this heart for this girl, and we continued to reach out, and every time she would, she'd be like, you know, just, pounce on us with hatred, venom, beyond belief. And Amy would continue. And eventually it came to the place where it felt very counterproductive. And so we recognized this one's for God alone. What we're gonna do is just continue to pray and just kind of do this. God, this is for God alone. Well, years went by and this, this lady ended up getting diagnosed with cancer, a very aggressive form of cancer. And when Amy or her mom or others would try to reach out, it would be met with the same hatred and resistance. Finally, um, maybe six weeks or so ago, um, when Amy's mom reached out, this lady said, well, I'll tell you what, not only am I ready, but I need help. Is there anyone who could help me spiritually? And this lady lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We have a campus, as I mentioned, Rio Rancho, New Mexico, just a suburb of Albuquerque. So um, Amy called Brian Bruss, our pastor out there, and Brian had his wife, Davina, um, go out and visit this lady. And they spent quite a bit of time and prayed and prayed and prayed together. And this lady who hated our family, hated our church, hated our savior, hated everything about Christianity, called out to Jesus in the most sincere, desperate cry for forgiveness, for help and salvation, was so transformed. Now, she made it to at the movies for one week, watched church online, every other one, watched old messages more than you can even count, and spent the last three weeks of her life on social media telling everyone that she could how Jesus had changed her life, who he was, what he meant to her. She died last week, and before she died, she sent a text to um, Amy's mom that said this, my only regret is that I don't have more time to serve the church that completely changed my life. And so today, um, her story is granting her wish. Her story is serving the church and will bless some of you with the idea that there's something that you're trying to control. I don't know what it is, 
but you can't. If you try to control it, it's not yours to control. And so maybe at this point at this time, you'll say, you know what? I trust this person to God. I trust this situation to God. And when you do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds, and your soul in Christ Jesus. So whatever it is, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understandings, but in every way acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Choose surrender over control. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. And in, the, in this particular situation, God, we present it to you. We present this person to you. We petition with thanksgiving, God, knowing that the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts, our minds, and our souls in Christ Jesus. And that is why, God, for your glory and because you are good, we choose surrender over control. All of our church. Now you know why the message surrender over control seemed to be very fitting for today. What areas might you need to surrender rather than control? Maybe for you it begins with giving your life to God, uh, admitting that you need forgiveness in your life, that you need a Savior, that you need God to join you, placing your trust in the fact that he gave his life for you, and choosing to ask him into your life as the one you're going to try to follow. And so maybe that, that, that's the beginning spot for your surrender over control. Uh, maybe it's something at work, in your marriage, or maybe with your kids. Uh, you, you fill in the blank. Would you pray with me? Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for a message like this. Lord, we ask that you really would bring to our hearts the things, the items that we do need to surrender, and that we would transfer over the control to you, knowing that you're in charge of our lives. Wherever that may be, we ask that we would start. Maybe it's placing our faith in you, uh, maybe it is uh, some area of life. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's our health. Help us to see the areas that we're uh, being like Abram and Sarai, Sarah, uh, in taking control of our life. We just thank you for the way you work wherever we're at. Uh, we just ask that that would be our reality this week. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.